think also we're going to have to let go. We're going to have to trust God. There's a little pastor down the road from me. He preached for me last night down there. Brought his whole church over. His church, when he went there, little church of about 30 or 40 people, they had fought and run off every pastor they'd ever got. Mean people. There's something like that, ain't there? They chew pastors up and spit them out. It's like one guy said, small churches don't change. They just change pastors. And he said, he went there and, and this revival hit in Lakeland. And he went over there and he got his people over there and he got his people filled with the Holy Ghost. In about a space of three months, his church went from 30 or 40 people. He told me the Sunday before I left, they had 140 people. Glory to God. Had to go to two services. Their little old sanctuary, well, only, no bigger than one section of that bed. Not even that big. No, no way. So is it church growth? Not necessarily. Don't get hung up on that. Now go to John chapter 14. I'm going to wrap this up because I want to show you the whole point. If you haven't got the point now, you will shortly. John chapter 14, verse number 12. Verily, verily, this is Jesus speaking. Verily, verily, I say unto you. Whenever Jesus says verily, verily, you know what it means? It means set up and take note. I'm about to say something real important. He that believeth on me. How many believers here tonight? Let me see your hands. Okay. The works that I do shall he do also. And greater works. Whoa. Some people say, well, I've never seen this before. Hang around. Just hang around. When this man right here and this lady right here and these deacons and, and these associates and these ministers of music and these praise leaders, when they're all laying out up here, it's coming. Y'all going to be doing a Jericho march. That's what they did to me. When I fell out, the whole church got up and shouted. Now that'll humble you. Man, they had a Jericho. They never had a Jericho march when I was on my feet. But when I was out flat on my back, Jesus said, greater works than these shall... You see, when people see the anointing on their pastor and on his wife and on their deacons, they take heart. When they see them entering in, they take heart. When they see them humble, the Lord exalts them in their people's eyes. Never be afraid to let the anointing overpower you and come on you. It is for a purpose. He said, greater works than these shall you do also. Why? Because I'm going to the Father. Now, you've got to get this. When Jesus went to the Father, he sent something back in his place. What was it? Holy Ghost. Whatsoever you ask in my name, I'll do it, he said. But the key is, you've got to do what the Father's doing. You can't do what you want to do. You've got to do what the Father's doing. You hear me? If he says, shout, shout. If he says, run, run. If he says, fall, fall. If he says, stand up, stand up. If he says, shut up, shut up. If he says, laugh, laugh. If he says, crawl, crawl. I learned that in Vietnam. When they say duck, they mean duck. You don't say, huh? <laughs> Would you run that by me again? No. I was in Da Nang. In Da Nang, Vietnam. And our biggest problem was mortar and, and rocket attack. And they told us, they said, you got three seconds from the time you hear the siren to get the cover. I said, are you kidding me? I can't even get out of bed in three seconds. The bunker is way across the compound. What am I going to do? They said, that's the key. You just roll out of your bunk and slide under it. I said, yeah, and that bunk is going to stop a rocket from coming. 
So when that siren sounds, son, you don't lay there and go, well, let's see, should I? Uh... No, you get on that bunk. Whether you've got clothes on or not, you're under the bunk. If I can tie this together. It's quite a challenge. First Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter 2. This has become so real to me. I think God is going to give us a great opportunity here in this last decade of this century to flow in the Holy Ghost as we've never flowed before, as preachers and ministers and as churches and laymen. I believe he wants to do signs and wonders like as just... Mm. But I think also we're going to have to let go. We're going to have to trust God. Because we as preachers and we as churches, we can get to the point where we are more afraid of what somebody thinks than what God thinks. We're more concerned about paying our bills than we are flowing into anointing. And when we get to that point, folks, we are backstabbed. Paul said to the Corinthians, he said, And I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined, that is, I planned, I purposed, not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trouble. Folks, how many times do you see a pastor come into the pulpit under such an anointing that it's all he can do to stay upright. And he can't speak. When he tries to talk, he just stutters. And you recognize that that's the anointing of God. Not eloquence of speech. Not my. Wasn't that a great message? Because it's the anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage. Not the great son. Paul said, I was with you in weakness. Why? Because I had nothing in myself. I had nothing. We're going to have to let go. We're going to have to trust God. Thank you.